the following is a production of 1031 Communications. Welcome to the I Say All That to Say This podcast. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Before we get to that, we'd like to tell you about those that make this podcast possible. Let me tell you about our friends over at Sovereign Financial. Mike Cuckle and Will Hines are incredibly gifted at taking care of you and your investments. They are both good friends of mine, and I trust them with my family's future. They not only focus on your ROI, but they also do in-depth research and investigation so you can rest assured that you are only investing in like-minded companies. They call it Biblically Responsible Investing. You can reach out to them at SovereignFIN.com to make an appointment. Again, that's SovereignFIN. Dot com to make an appointment. And if you tell them you heard about them on the podcast, they will also give you a free portfolio review and consultation. Welcome to the I Say All That to Say This podcast, an outreach of Impact Sports International. We seek to use sports as a vehicle to take the gospel to the hard to reach, the lost, and, and the forgotten. forgotten. Whether that is just 10 minutes down the road or on the other side of the world. Here is your host. Here's your host. Here's your host. Here's your host, John Andrews. Hey guys, and welcome back to the I Say All That to Say This podcast. I'm your host, John Andrews. We released our first episode on Tuesday, March 2nd of 2021. It was an episode entitled Our Why. And I know that some of you who listen have been what I like to call our people for years. You've served with us on the front lines. You've sent us through your gracious financial support or You've been on your knees interceding for us as we've used sports to take the gospel to the hard to reach and the hard to get to places. So to start with an episode about our why seemed maybe a bit redundant for you, but it really wasn't recorded for you. Those of you that have joined our team since then, those of you that have heard about this podcast since March 2nd, 2021, those of you that have become our people over the last three years, that episode was for you. And I think it's always a good exercise every once in a while for us to go back and remind ourselves of why we are doing what we're doing, a refocusing of your real purpose for whatever position you find yourself in life. For example, I'd be lying if I said there was never a time when I wondered, why did we have kids again? (laughs) They do or say something boneheaded and you have to teach them or walk them through yet another life lesson. If you're married... Your marriage is worth fighting for. It's not always easy. There are times when you think it would be easier just to give up. But you need to take yourself back to the beginning. Why did I fall in love with this person in the first place? Why did I want to spend the rest of my life with them? King David said in Psalm 51, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. He's saying, take me back to the moment I fell in love with you, God. Take me back to the moment I knew I desperately needed you to take control of my life. If King David had to do that with God Almighty, wondering the same thing about your spouse may not be out of the question. Just do it. Remind yourself. Search for your why. Fight for your why. In your job, there will be days, weeks, or even years that go by, and you have to ask yourself, why am I doing this? Even for those of us in full-time ministry, where we are living out, quote-unquote, our calling and our purpose. There are days where I'm left scratching my head. Why am I doing this again? If we're to fulfill God's purpose in our lives, whether that's with our families or our sphere of influence or the nations, we have to remember our why. So why did I say all that? Well, to say this, of course, this is our 100th episode. And to remember how 
unenthused I was about starting this whole thing, to look back at 100 episodes over the last three years is nothing short of amazing. I know that not every episode is for everyone. I know there are a handful of you that have listened to every episode. Some of you listen when you can, and some of you have joined us in recent days. I also know there are listeners that I know personally, and we get to see them very often. Then there are some of you listening all over the globe, and I seldom get to spend time with you. And then there are those that listen from somewhere, and you're someone I'll never meet. My prayer for this podcast since the beginning has been that somehow something I say or something that one of our incredible guests have said would encourage you, grow you, motivate you, maybe spur you on to love and good deeds, and maybe even pierce your heart for the nations. That being said, let me say thank you. And if it didn't make us such an awful noise, I would pretend to blow into this microphone and blow out a hundred candles. Since I'm not going to do that, let me just welcome our guest for this, our 100th episode. Scott Carter has been a dear friend of mine for 20 years. You know, you have those friends that you don't get to see very often, but when you do, you just pick right up where you left off. We all do, but when you serve together, that bond is even stronger. And Scott is one of those friends for me. We first served alongside each other when he and his family were in Southeast Asia. It was actually the first ever Impact Sports trip way back in 2006 when we worked with Scott and his family uh, in the country where they were serving. They faithfully served there for um, how many years, Scott? Uh, we were in that country seven years. Seven years. And uh, then they were um, not kicked out, but just not allowed to stay. Uh, it's one of those, you don't have to leave, you can't stay here type situations because the country where they were serving was a Buddhist-dominated military dictatorship, and they didn't want Bible-believing missionaries there. In a strange twist of events that only God could orchestrate, my family ended up living there uh, for two short-term stints in that same country. We were able to welcome Scott back uh, as one of our guests when we were living there. So uh, after they had to leave there, Scott and his family then moved to another country in Southeast Asia and served there for how many years, Scott? Ooh, eight, eight, eight. years. Okay. Um, then they moved back to the U.S. and he's been a, a missions pastor at a, several different churches. Uh, and Scott is now uh, turning his attention to the North American Mission Board, which we'll get to in a minute. But after all that, let me say welcome officially to my friend, Scott Carter. Well, thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. All right. So, Scott, we do this with all of our guests uh, because our guests come from all scopes and and from every background uh tell us your jesus story how did you come to christ and and talk through that uh direction towards where you are now uh, i grew up uh in outside of atlanta georgia uh back in the 70s and 80s and uh grew wow, up you're old uh, <laughs> yes i am <laughs> <laughs> uh the hips tell me that every day um so i grew up in a christian family um i attended church from the time I was uh, negative nine months old. And so uh, my parents were very faithful to uh, take uh, my sister and myself to church. Um, we heard the Bible, we heard the gospel. And uh, around the age of nine or 10, um, became very curious uh, about salvation. And so between my parents and one of the pastors from the church, uh, came to know Christ and was baptized. Um, at the age of 11, my family made a huge move from Atlanta to Birmingham. And uh, the church we were involved in in Birmingham, as a young student, as a young youth, 
I was discipled very well. Um, we made another big move, an even bigger move from Alabama to New Jersey when I was 14 years old. And upon moving to, as soon as we moved to New Jersey, I went to, I went to Centrifuge Youth Camp. And that week I first felt the call to ministry. Hmm. And so. And how old were you then? I was 14. Okay. And moving from Alabama to New Jersey, that was your first cross cultural experience? You know, absolutely. I look back on that. It was was very much cross cultural um, in every, almost every sense of the word. So at 14, you knew that God was calling you to ministry. Did you have any idea what that would look like at that point? I didn't even know what it meant. Yeah. I mean, I assumed that it just meant being a preacher. Mm. Um, the people around me had no idea what to do with that. And so that was not discipled or developed in me as a, as a youth. Hmm. So talk about the transition from a 14-year-old being called to ministry to uh, the steps and the process to where you were actually serving in ministry. Okay. Uh, I mean, I went through high school just as a, uh, I guess, a fairly normal Christian teenager. Uh, I was a good boy, didn't get in trouble, um, was ambitious, worked hard. Um, went to college and studied business. Uh, my bachelor's is in business management. Uh, graduated from Stanford University in December of 1993. Had a love for banking, finance, investments. Went to work for a bank in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, where my family was it was then living uh, after moving from New Jersey back south. I was working in banking and after just a few months, went on a mission trip with my home church. And during that week, uh, God just really broke my heart for the loss of the world. And came back to the United States after that trip, knowing I wasn't where I was supposed to be, but not knowing where I was supposed to be. Right. And so over the course of several months, a lot of wise counsel from Christian men and women older than me, uh, I found myself overseas. Mm-hmm. Um, as a youth pastor, I was a journeyman with the International Mission Board, serving in Singapore at International Baptist Church, and that was where I began ministry. Mm. And you met Crystal on the field, is that correct? Or you guys were no, sharing she, that experience at least uh, separately? But we were living we were living a parallel parallel lives to each other. Uh, we kind of knew each other existed, but we did not know each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was a journeyman in Japan. And um, we met after our journeyman terms uh, at seminary. Okay. And um, so talk to us uh, just briefly, kind of explain that process of, because there are people listening that that are, are wrestling with all sorts of things and where they're supposed to be and what they're supposed to be doing. Um, when you talk about you and Crystal living parallel lives, you're, you're both in ministry. But when you start dating, you start coming together, you start realizing, hey, I'm going to spend the rest of my life with this person. How do those talk, talk us through the, the, the marriaging of those, uh, the marriage of those two different ministries coming together and becoming one? Uh, well, my wife grew up on a turkey and cattle farm in the Ozark Mountains in northwest Arkansas. Uh, I grew up in the suburbs. So she was um, a city girl. Southeast. She was a country girl. I was a city boy <laughs> or a suburban boy. Um, she has her story about how the Lord got her from a farm 
to living in Japan mm. and then back to seminary. She went to seminary and she was a little bit ahead of where I was um, because I went from college to the work world, then to ministry. She went from college to directly to ministry. So she'd already been in seminary uh, almost. Uh, she was finishing up her degree when we met. I was just starting my degree. Um, we were in our mid-20s or so when we met. And so when we met and began talking and sharing our experience, we realized uh, how much we had in common with our upbringings, our family situation anyway, um, our journeyman experience in Asia. And as we began to feel an interest in each other beyond being just fellow missionaries, if you will, fellow students, right? we realized that if we began dating, we were dating to marry. Hmm. Um, we also knew that I knew I was called back to the mission field. She knew she was called back to the mission field. She was willing to go as a single female. I was willing to go as a single male. So when we met and began dating, which was very quick and then engaged, which was quick as well. Mm -hmm. um, when I proposed, the answer was yes, but you must finish your degree on time. Mm. And uh, we both, yes, ma'am, <laughs> whatever it takes, right? And then uh, we knew that when we graduated seminary, when I graduated seminary, that we would be back overseas. And so when we married, the International Mission Board married our personnel files. Mm. Okay. So you were married officially and unofficially. Um, with your background and your officially uh, and missionally. missionally. Yeah, there you go. All right. So you have five kids and a lot of times when we talk to people that are in ministry or you, you, you sit in the pews at church and you see your pastor up on, on the platform. A lot of times it's easy to think of just him, right? You don't think of him as a dad. You don't think of him as a, as a husband, uh, necessarily, uh, you think of missionaries, um, you think of them having a different set of problems that maybe I have back home, right? They're, they're living somewhere I can't find on a map. Um, their issue or they don't have issues um, or their issues are different from mine because I live here and they don't, they're not going through the same thing we're going through. And um, I know you've had quite a journey with your, your kids and, and shoot one of your children that's in your house wouldn't be there if it weren't for missions. And so um Talk us, talk us through that. Just the being a dad, uh, being parents on the mission field and, and how God works through your family and how the enemy attacks your family and even how he's grown your family. That's a lot. Uh, <laughs> let me say that as a husband and as a father, my first line of ministry is my family. Mm -hmm. Or it should be. We don't always do it well. Uh, us type A, go conquer the world guys tend to drag our families behind us, not necessarily taking them with us very well. And I've done both. I've taken them well at times. I've dragged them behind me at times. Um, and so uh, we're just, we're normal people. My wife grew up on a farm. Um, I grew up in, in a locker room. Um, and so we're just normal people. Uh, that that God called not because we were special, but just because of His grace. Mm. Okay, um, 
one, only one of our five children is born in the United States. Our young, our oldest son was born two months before I graduated from seminary. Hmm. We got on a plane two weeks after I graduated seminary. So, so he wasn't even three old. months. Yeah. No, he was two and a half months old. Uh, we took a two and a half month old on a plane uh, overseas hmm. and did not uh, hardly blinked. I mean, we just knew that we were doing what we were supposed to do. Now, he was the firstborn grandson on both sides of the family. Oh, wow. Okay. The grandparents blinked. <laughs> hey, what? what, what? Uh, yes, we took our child. Um, we spent a short time in Australia, came back to the U.S., and we went career to Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. And uh, our two, our next two sons were born in Chiang Mai, Thailand, where we went to uh, have those children. And our older daughter was born in our country of service. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, and then when we moved from that country to the other country, right? Um, during that time, we adopted our uh, youngest, our younger yeah. daughter, um, and so. Uh, you know, what you, when you around the world, uh, there's people around the world. There are families around the world and people have babies around the world. And so you're just living your life embedded in community. Um, and uh, we grew our family. We raised our family and the Lord raised our family in ministry. Um, and being overseas was home to our children. Hmm. I mean, the United States was not home to them. Right. Um, it was our home. It was our country. And so we have to realize, number one, kids are resilient. They're more resilient than we are sure. uh, as older people. And uh, But our perceptions of what normal is for an American child, um, even for our own children who carry those blue passports, um, their normal was like we, we lived there. Yeah. So they grew up in that. Mm. So uh, we mentioned you were in one country in Southeast Asia and then had to leave. Um, talk about talk about that departure, because you, you had served there for nine years. You were embedded in, as you said, your kids were born there. That's all they knew. Uh, talk about that departure, and what it was like. Um, it was it wasn't quite as forced as. Uh, it, it can sometimes sound, but I mean, it was just as much the Lord saying, it's time, it's time to move on. We were the first career missionary family with the IMB to live in that country. Hmm. In the seven or so years that we were there, we went from being one of five Western missionaries in the country when we left there the imb alone 15 wow and so we were we very much embraced the fact that we were kind of forerunners and pathfinders it was up to us to help get things going for uh for the imb and so um when the lord said it's time to move on we kind of fighting that well what do you mean like the work's just getting started yeah and, uh, you know, it's not finished. He said, well, um, your, your job is. Mm. And so, uh, 
It was a long transition. The week we left, though, the week we moved out of that country, um, just two miles down the road, oh yeah, the the military was shooting at Buddhist monks and citizens of the country. Mm-hmm. So, uh, <laughs> and was, and that was part. yeah, and that was right before we were originally planning on moving there. Yeah, and that would have happened <laughs> within two miles of a uh, place where we were going to be staying. Yes, too. yeah. So yes. God, God moves even when we don't see it. Um, yeah. so you've, you've, uh, you guys served individually, uh, parallel lives, as you said, parallel ministry lives, missions lives. And then you, you got married, you served in two different cities, uh, two different countries in Southeast Asia, and then you transitioned back to the U S you served, uh, I think three different churches as missions pastor, uh, two different churches as missions pastor. And, um, and then now you are transitioning to the North American mission board. So before we get into the work, um, well, there's two questions, but the, I'll ask you this first. There are people listening, like we said, that are, what's next for me, right? Um, and and I think about even in my own life, when I was teaching and coaching, and I, when I was in college, God called me to that. I was, I, there was no doubt that that was my mission field for a period of time. And then it was time to move move to the next thing. So going from one place literally to the next place to the next place to the next stage in life um talk about when you knew it was time to leave how you knew where to go next all of that sort of thing when we left country number one i mean it was one of those things where in one of my prayer times i sensed the lord saying it's time to go and i can remember just in in that prayer going well have you told crystal (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was like, and I just sensed the Lord saying, no, I want you to. Hmm. And I'm just remember going, oh, man, oh, no. Um, and so it took me a month. And um, when I finally had the courage to, to tell her what I was sensing, uh, we had a, I mean, we had a, our, our older daughter was one month old. Hmm. Like it was only a week after she was born. I began to sense this word. Wow. And so she's a month old. And I just, my wife's exhausted. I can just remember one night saying, ah, let, me just, let me tell you something. And so I told her what I was sensing. And she just said, well, I think we knew this day would eventually come. Just rolled over with sleep. Mm. <laughs> like, and, you know, and, and I reflect on that. It, it, it's very humorous um, in a way. But at the same time, it was like, yeah, I think that uh, as missionaries, we know because of the way we're wired yeah, and just because of the things that we are always willing to do, we know that to be in one place for a long time. And so, um, so honestly it was like, yeah, we, we probably did, but we tried to extend that stay a full year. Mm. And that was miserable. Mm. And I understood from a, from a mom and a wife standpoint, wanting to, have closure through different seasons uh, of life there. But the Lord made it. I mean, when God says go, you go. Yeah. And we're like, okay, we'll, we'll leave it at one year. No. Okay. Uh, we'll leave it nine. And just how restless and mm. there's just a lack of peace. Like, you know that God's already said go and you're trying to, you're trying to extend that now. Um, but it, he's gracious. Um, we 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 left. We did not know where he was calling us to next. That was one of the that was one of the things. 
So we came back to the United States on stateside assignment. And we were here uh, for what we, we did. So it, it literally was a go to the land I will show you. Yeah. I mean, and I just remember, I mean, I just remember in prayer saying, okay, we'll leave. We got it. Where, 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 where are we supposed to go? And it was silence. Mm. And I came to this, and this is going to, it's going to sound, uh, but it's, it's, it's that it was almost like God was saying, until you leave, you haven't. Hmm. Okay. Well, um, all right. So when we left and we came back to the U.S., you know, there, there was a certain amount of time, and then the Lord opened the door. I got a phone call from one of the Asian leaders in the IMB. I said, "Hey, I want you to come do this." Um, and so we made the move, and that's where we moved to country number two. Hmm. Uh, we were there for. Um, seven and a half years or so, I think. And we came home to the United States on what was supposed to be a one-year stateside assignment. Mm-hmm. I was doing my doctoral work. I needed to finish my dissertation. We were tired and exhausted. It was a long five-year term without a furlough. And so we came home what was supposed to be like a 12 or 14-month stateside assignment. But very quickly into that time, but when we left that country, we're packing up our house for storage. We knew, we knew in our heart we're not coming back to this house. Like mm. We're not coming back to the city. We did not know where. Um, we assumed that having finished my doctorate, that means something in, uh, you know, being in some sort of field-based education training role where right. we're doing more somewhere in the world. Um, to get, but God landed us in Northwest Arkansas. And so, uh, okay. Uh, Let me repeat that. You went from Southeast Asia to Northeast Arkansas. Northwest Arkansas. Northwest so Arkansas. Just an hour. We're just an hour from where we grew up. Wow. And uh, we're, we're, we're near the family. And, uh, you know, it's like one of those things we always have on the table. We will go anywhere, anytime. Hmm. Like we're ready when the Lord calls. And then you land in Northwest Arkansas and it was like, okay, God, anywhere, anytime. He's like, well, Northwest Arkansas. Yeah. Okay. And Crystal, Crystal wrestled through the whole uh, you know, 20 years ago from that day or 22 years ago from that time, she's like, I said yes to leave this place mm. in 22 years. I find myself right here. Yeah. And so she, she to this day probably still struggles with how and why we did it, uh, where we did. But, um, looking back, I think we understand it more. Um, and so it, that, that was rough. That, that was a rough sensing and being in agreement on i mean in in your heart you know you just know but outwardly there was there was a lot of misunderstanding like no this is not this is not um we got into 2020 and early 2020 like before that thing was actually a thing Mm -hmm. uh we uh you know we were we had kind of made up our minds great kids pandemic years and levels coming up and we were like, well, I think this, this summer will be, like we really sense the Lord uh, um, preparing us to move. And again, did not know what that meant. Did that mean going back overseas? Did that mean going and planting a church in, somewhere in the United States? Um, and that's when we landed here in Tallahassee. And uh, again, you land in Tallahassee, you're looking around. All right, God, we said any time to do anything. And when we say that, we mean Timbuktu, yeah, jungles, 
someplace nobody else will go. Yeah. Right. And then you lean to Tallahassee, you're like, okay. And, um, (laughs) but it was that point in time you realize as you grow older, as you grow different stages of education experience, that the Lord begins to, under the same call, change your assignment. Mm. And so uh, we just had to come, we had to under the same call, change your assignment. Yeah. I like that. All right. So you and I have had several conversations. We're, we're roughly the same age. You are older, but we are uh, <laughs> roughly the same age. And um, our experiences have, have, have mirrored each other in some instances. And so we've had this conversation before, but I want to talk uh, through it uh, because people may be experiencing this in, in various walks of life. But um, I want you to talk about um, moving from the front lines. You said when you left country number one, when you guys left country number one, you were you were fine with being the trailblazer, the door opener, the tip of the spear. And uh, for those of us that God's given that spirit to, um, that's that's where we that's where we find fulfillment. That's where we're we come alive, right? That's where that's where our heart burns. Um, but at some point, and that's that's a differing period of time for everybody. Um, you're you're no longer that. That's not, that's no longer your role. And your role has changed a couple of different times from country one to country two, your, your role was very different. And then from country two to coming back here and serving uh, on staff at churches. And even now as, as um, your, your time with Nam, um, it, it, your role has changed. So talk through um, the idea of being on the front lines to pulling back and being more in an ascending role. We're frontline people. I mean, we cut our teeth on the frontier mm-hmm. uh, among UPGs of a very close country, a very tough place. The move from country one to country two, uh, we were in a bit in a different role, uh, but we were in a we were in a very large global city among a lot of unreached people, mm-hmm. and still in a bit of a frontline role there because we actually planted churches. We weren't just missionaries facilitating something; we were planting. And, uh, that was, that was awesome. That was a rush. Loved Mm -hmm. it. I'm wired as a visionary, uh, strategist leader. Yeah. Those three things come together probably the most strong. Um, and being in those roles, really, that's where that was developed more, really matured more in me. Um, when we came back to the U.S., um, and I was on staff of a very large church uh, when we first came back, um, and uh, it, it was uh, it was a place of uh, it was a soft landing for us as a family. It's what we needed. Mm-hmm. We didn't understand that at the time, but looking back, you can say we needed that. But we're still in a place where we get to share our experience with others. We get to cast that 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 vision, share our experience, in hopes that. You just fan that little spark, that little flame that God is beginning to uh, to, to ignite in, in, in people, and we did. One of the, one of the highlights, you know, the highlight of both mine and Chris's time was being able to be with college students and young adults who are discovering their call, wanting to be discipled, mentored, and sent. Um, but again, as a visionary leader at a very large church being in a kind of a lower middle management type of level. Right. There's a little bit of, uh, uh, um, 
So, but that time was very key. We needed that as a family. Okay. And then we came uh, to Tallahassee and being in a much more, in a, in a role that was much you know, higher, if you will, in level of leadership mm-hmm. at church and had, being able to drive a lot of the vision um, was, was wonderful. So, but you're still asking yourself because we are missionaries. We still see ourselves as missionaries. Mm-hmm. We want to be on the front line. Mm-hmm. Our oldest son out of high school went into the army. And as he went from, uh, from Northwest Arkansas to his boot camp, uh, we went to his graduation uh, from uh, Fort Jackson, just down the road from you guys. Yeah. Um, we, uh, you know, we get to, we, we get to see him graduate that thousands of soldiers. And then you have your, uh, you have your drill sergeants. Okay. And began to, okay. then he goes and does his AIT, his job training. We go to that graduation. We meet his drill sergeants. We see the soldiers. He goes to airborne uh, school in Georgia, jump school. We go to that graduation. We meet the, the drill sergeants. We see the soldiers. And each along the way, each group of soldiers is getting more and more specialized. Mm. Okay. So to be, uh, you know, to be the, <laughs> the bottom level entry soldier, uh, to be trained as a soldier then to be trained in, in his case as a mechanic, Humvee mechanic, and then to be airborne on top of that, it got very specialized mm. along the way. He has drill sergeants. those drill sergeants are, they, those guys came off the front line. Those are frontline men. And if you ask them, they want to be on the front line. Mm. Um, if the army calls and says, we have your next assignment and we want you to be a drill sergeant at this base. Um, there is no, uh, do you have anything else? Like <laughs> it is expected that when you get that assignment, you will. Yeah. Now you do have a choice uh, to a certain extent, but if you say no to that assignment, you will be, you, there's going to be a ceiling. Yeah. Like when they come and say, you, you know, go to this base, be a drill sergeant. That's your next assignment. We want the guys from the front line off the front line, preparing the guys for the front line. And you see where I'm going with this. Mm-hmm. Um, I say all that to say this. Nice. Well done. I had to get it in somewhere. Um, I realized that's us. We're the frontline missionaries. We want to be on the front line. We're wired as frontline. That's where we get our biggest thrill. Yeah. And I mean, after all, we're soldiers. I mean, that was the call. And then God says, I'm going to put you at this church. I'm going to put you at this church. And you, you realize uh, the commander's calling us back to base to be the drill sergeant. Mm-hmm. And there is no no. There is no saying no. Um, our experience, our training, our education, where we've been qualifies us to be in the, in the, in the position of raising up and training the next generation of soldiers mm-hmm. to send them uh, to the front line. At that point, John, you now earn a position of multiplying yourself. Mm. We can be on the front lines and we can see people come to Christ. We can plant churches. We can train national leaders. And there's a sense of multiplication in that. That's what we, when you pull back to the local church, home base, that is the church is at the center of God's mission. It's from the church that he sends. Mm. 
And so we're way back here uh, at this home base, and it truly is a multiplication as we raise people up. As God calls them out, we get to raise them up, mentor, disciple, and help them find their way and send them. Hmm. The global impact is uh, is multiplied. It's, it's exponential. Yeah, that's good. And, uh, you know, for a almost 52-year-old man who's feeling that more and more tired and sore <laughs> and everything else, you become, you, you become at, you become okay with it. Yeah. Um, because you can see that it's not about me. It's about the mission. Yeah. And the commander's got, uh, he's got a bigger vision. Sure. And just submit to that. Hmm. That's good. Well, that that's a good segue into my last question. You are now serving as the church planning catalyst, uh, for North Florida and the panhandle for the North American mission board. That's a long title. Shorten it and explain it to us lay people what you're doing now. This role puts us back into a little bit more of a missionary position. Okay. Okay. Um, I get to work with not just a local church. I get to take that vision and what we were doing at Celebration. We had a huge vision for such a size church. Mm-hmm. I get to take that now and uh, I get to, to be a part of casting vision um, helping churches, equipping churches, number one, help them identify people in their church that might be called. But these churches have no idea what that means or what to do with these people. Right. Identify them, help them get into some sort of pathway or a track where they can find where they're going. And so it's really to help churches become sending churches. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also finding church planters to come into these regions and plant churches. Yes, we're in the South. Yes, we're in Bible Belt. Yes, we're, we're in all that. Um, but the state of Florida, the population is, is growing quickly and has grown very quickly the last few years for many reasons. Um, so um, uh, in the panhandle, uh, my goodness, is becoming more and more diverse ethnically. Uh, and, uh, there's more and more unreached people there. And so we get to be a part of seeing that next generation of churches started across North Florida, the Panhandle. Mm. Then also to see church planters identified to send out, whether that's Panhandle, whether that's across the country or around. Looking back, uh, over the last 30 minutes or so, um, and seeing how God is kind of woven your story and uh, put you in different places for different uh, experiences. And um, it's exciting to me because you're proof that there's a design, there's a purpose, there's a plan. Uh, And as you're moving from one, your country one back home to country two, back home to church one and then to church two, and now into this role, I'm sure there was times in each of those uh, movements where you're like, God, are you sure you're, is this, is this the right thing? Is this what you're really saying? Did I miss you somehow? And then uh, being on the other side of that and being able to look back, you're like, wow, he does know what he's doing. Right. Uh, it, there is a, there is a master, a master plan. 
and uh, you you said that you were a visionary, um, a strategist, and a leader. Um, and then you said, but his vision is so much bigger than mine. And uh, and I think that's a beautiful thing that we can rest in. I think sometimes that when we are in a situation, where we're kind of casting vision. We're trying to see beyond what is to what could be. Uh, that can be overwhelming. That can be troublesome. That can be scary. Um, but knowing that his vision, his direction, uh, his uh, goal is so much bigger uh, than ours. Um, Scott, I want to thank you for being a part of this and for sharing your story. Um, those of you listening, we're going to have Scott back um, in a couple of months on another podcast that we're going to talk about next episode. Um, but Scott, thank you for taking the time. Thanks for being part of this, sharing your story. Well, thanks for having me. My pleasure. Once again. So we say all that to say this. Following God's call, seldom a straight line. Scott's story has uh, been anything but. Uh, something I've learned through the years is that even during those times that seemed to be a detour or maybe even an obstacle, they're actually just preparation for what's to come. And you've seen that fleshed out in uh, Scott's story today. So take a moment today, step back from your circumstances, and just kind of ask God how he might be preparing you in this season of life for what's to come. As a reminder, we release this podcast on the first and third Tuesdays of every month. If you're brand new to the podcast, you can go back and check out episode one to learn a little bit more about Impact Sports, what we do, but more importantly, why we do it. If you'd like to hear more from us, we send out a weekly email devotional called Thoughts from Outside the Boat. If you'd like to sign up to get those devotionals, go to utterlyamazed.com and sign up right there on the homepage. To find out more about the ministry, you can go to impactsportsonline.org or you can follow us on social media at impactsportsint on Instagram and Impact Sports International on Facebook. We'll see you next time on I Say All That to Say This.